Um, it's time for the weekly update. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, mazel tov. An amazing week. Don't you agree that we should be celebrating this week in the Jewish community? I absolutely do agree that we should be celebrating. And I have made this very clear. I want to echo what you said before, about, and we sent out a leadership action network alert yesterday to to make sure that people understand the importance of showing hakarat tov to show appreciation by their by by writing to the president by making it clear that this is the position of the Jewish community because the naysayers get their voices heard they and the media has been i think largely outrageous constantly putting an emphasis on the threat of violence and asking everybody, is there violence? Is going to be violence, which is only meant to stoke the fire because that's the story they get. They don't when there's peace and uh, peaceful resolution, and and uh, there isn't going to be any bloodshed, then they have nothing to cover. It seems rather than focusing on a bold move, one that is just correcting an historic right, it, it doesn't change anything on the ground. It shouldn't evoke any kind of. Uh, I, I understand that there will be angry statements and there can be the disagreements over it, but it, to, to constantly stoke the fires of, of violence as if, you know, wishing that it will come is uh, simply so unacceptable. And I think the the, uh, the other voices have to be heard. The positive statements, the many, many positive statements that came out, you do not hear uh, uh, any virtually any reports outside of some of the Jewish sources of all of the statements that that were made, and I think that this is um, a, a really a critical uh, aspect of this, and it tells you you know why people are so skeptical about news coverage. What the president did was something that every presidential candidate has promised to do. Democratic Republican platforms have asserted for decades. That the overwhelming vote in 1995 by the Congress of the United States allowed to be law by President Clinton and uh, only waived because they put in uh, the waiver provision uh, under the presidential prerogative uh, clauses. So beyond that, this is, is nothing remarkable in terms of effect on the ground changing people's lives. It's a moral statement, I think. And coming the week before Hanukkah, when we celebrate the uh, Judah Maccabee and the Hashmonaim, reasserting sovereignty over Jerusalem, Jewish sovereignty over Jerusalem, I think the symbolism shouldn't be lost on people. Did former presidents comment, as far as you know? The presidents you just alluded to, those who avoided uh, making this move uh, each and every time? Uh, It's a very good point, and uh, I have to say that... um, that I have not seen it uh, any statements and reported at least right. by former presidents. You see uh, all the negative statements reported by other people, but I don't understand how they could be negative when it's something all of them, all of them uh, asserted themselves. So it's it sounds right, right, correct. Uh, although that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean right. Uh, just taking this one step further, it, it outraged many of us that those who are members of the United States House and Senate, who uh, for years, and most recently, I believe just a few months ago, you can correct me if I'm wrong, had endorsed and voted for 
um, uh, platforms and votes that included Jerusalem as capital and moving the embassy. Some of those voices, including some of them Jewish members of the Senate, came out trying to urge President Trump not to make this move. Right. And it's outrageous. It is uh, inexcusable, but we also should acknowledge, and we, if uh, people want, uh, they can contact you, and we will send them both the numbers, by the way, to call the president and how to write the president. It's better to email, uh, but we have this all contained in the one this one uh, note uh, that uh, people can get. We will send it to you, the link, and you can get it out to anybody who, who wants it and who will circulate it in the synagogues and in organizations. Uh, to make their voices heard. But many, many senators, uh, Chuck Schumer, others, came out for it. I'm, I'm talking about Democrats right. as, as well as Republicans. And um, they should be acknowledged. But but I think the, the um, you know, one of the things that we should point out is that this may well be an enhancement to the prospect of peace because, number one, our Arab allies in the region will see that America stands by its friends, that America stands... For, to, up to their promises and commitments, that that the Palestinians will realize that the train is leaving the station, and the more they wait, the more the facts on the ground will dictate the, what the future will be, and the the um, and so it, it could well be an enhancement uh, of the process, and we will see what will will uh, come out. And it's a statement also that, that this is that Israel is there; it's not changing the facts of Jerusalem. Uh, are there, and it didn't preclude, he didn't say what the borders would be, he didn't preclude any arrangement that the parties reach, including about a two-state solution. He said if the parties agreed to it. He didn't dictate it, he said, and very carefully worded from the way I read it, at least. Uh, you know, so Hamas naturally says it's a declaration of war, and uh, but I think the administration, you know, can, can easily say... Um, uh, to 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 uh, people in the region, to others, we are prepared to play a, a constructive and useful role in what we tell you we will we will do. But they warned the Palestinians not to cancel their talks with Vice President Pence, who right. will be visiting there right. in a in a week. Or All right, so. there are a couple of things that everybody wants to know um, from your perspective, and and some of these you know hardcore news items. The president in this speech said. That is why, consistent with the Jerusalem Embassy Act, I am also directing the State Department to begin preparation to move the American Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. This will immediately begin the process of hiring architects, engineers, and planners so that a new embassy, when completed, will be a magnificent tribute to peace. It was at this point during the speech, frankly, that you know my, my arms were raised in victory and a big smile were on a lot of faces here because we felt going into this speech we had heard about the Jerusalem announcement and were thrilled about it, but then we thought we had re- really gotten something extra, a real bonus that he decided uh, to announce the move of the embassy during this speech. In the aftermath, as I'm sure you're aware, the rumor is, and I think it is a hardcore news item at this point, that he did sign after this announcement the waiver for another six months. Could you explain how one reconciles the other? He, he, he had to sign it because the law requires that if you don't move it and you don't sign the waiver, then you endanger 50% of the funding for security for our embassies abroad. That was built into the legislation or built into legislation that was passed and um, to, to try and enhance the process and to, you know, to, per, to urge uh, presidents to, to move the embassy. So there's a penalty that, and to avoid the penalty, he signed the waiver. The, but he did say also that he's going to move, seek to get legislation that will, I guess, essentially remove the waiver 
provision so he doesn't have to do it again in six months. But it will take years to build an embassy. People who think this is an overnight process, there are various properties that America has, but uh, what the president said is that we're going to have engineers and architects and others that are come in and take a look, see what's possible. Right. I, we, we get all that. But you've given us the impression, and I tend to believe you in this case even more than the president, that in reality, if they wanted to do something overnight to officially make an embassy, that would be you know a makeshift one. They could have done it. Yes, they could. And I asked in the White House yesterday about it. And there was clearly a decision that uh, that they they don't want to do a temporary thing. For one, some people are concerned that that would end up being the the totality. Right. That, you know, could go into another president's uh, term or somebody else. Um, yeah, but now we're in danger of getting into another president's term. Now we're in danger of the State Department and those who are opposed to this move. You know, really putting the pressure on to stop all of this. But they're going to. But the process will already begin immediately with uh, the planning, the property, the facility. They say it'll take $2 billion to build a proper embassy with all the security operations, etc. And you can't just move hundreds of people who work in Tel Aviv to to Jerusalem. So, Well, the most, the most promising thing you've told us on this topic is that uh, uh, if, in fact, the, 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 he's working toward eliminating this whole waiver situation, that would be a very good thing. That would be, that would certainly facilitate, uh, you know, it, the, the more realistic uh, happenstance that a that an embassy will eventually be built if he if we could because if the, these waivers continue you know then then the then the back and forth and the uh you know the the, the entire debate about whether the embassy should move is just going to continue that's right and but but he said all of this in his remarks right. that this is the initiation of a construction he said right. it, in no embassy in the world is built in less than three or four years right. that he wants to to limit the taxpayer impact yeah and, i get all this you understand the confusion for regular folks like no, me no, no, he, he announces he announces this and, and, yeah yeah i get it and then the 10 minutes later he's signing a waiver but now i now now we understand mm. and i thank you for that all right uh vice president pence uh we know that the the advisors that are typical advisors on israel uh the word is at least in the media that they were enthusiastic about it we know that tillerson uh, was not uh, enthusiastic about this move and tried to discourage the president. Um, where, it, it, what, what was Vice President Pence's role in getting this done? Well, when I spoke to him last night and thanked him, uh, he was very modest and he said, "No, it's the president. It's the president. He's he's so humble." And but we do know that he was a very positive force in this process and has been extremely supportive of the of positive U.S.-Israel relations. And he is going at the end of the He's going next week, I think, um, uh, to to Israel. I know he's going to be lighting a menorah at the hotel and doing other things. Um, so he did play a supportive role. Obviously, the key three, um, Ambassador Friedman, Jason Greenblatt, and Jared Kushner, I think were all very positive forces in it. But most of all, I think it was the president who, who really wanted to do it and was the ultimate decision maker. There were naysayers. There were people who were opposed, who were concerned, not be, some not because they didn't want to see the embassy move, but because they were concerned about the consequences. And, and again, that's why I put the emphasis in the beginning about the violence, right. because, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You keep saying there's going to be, and there's going to be, rather than saying we will not tolerate. Yeah. And we know that the leaders, when they want, they can they can do a lot to keep their seats quiet and stop the incitement. Today is the critical day. We have to see what happens at the Friday, in the aftermath of the Friday prayers. Um, that is the, the, the most right. significant. They've had demonstrations, but by and large... Right, we're already hearing about activity at Charshchem, but a lot of that is typical. A lot of that is not uh, 
uh, you know, uh, um, uh, exceptional for a day like today. And also, you have to remember that back in May, uh, Jerusalem 50, they threatened back at the at the uh, controversy in Harabaya with the metal detectors. They threatened. I don't know. And I saw, by the way, a, 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 an opinion piece that you had published in the Daily Alert, uh, which which discusses how. The Arab street, or whatever we call it, the Palestinian street, as you've referred to it often, uh, may not be as enthusiastic about these issues as they were years ago. And it may be hard for the majority. I'm not talking about the extremists who are on the street rioting. But it may be hard for the majority of them to be turned on by their leaders to go and, and participate in days of rage at this point. They're exhausted about these issues. The one thing that rallies them is if you say al is under siege, meaning the, the Temple Mount and the... Um, but. On this issue, you don't see, and you didn't see, immediate responses. You know, uh, they're saying, so it's a three days of protest, which were pretty muted uh, overall. And the um, and, and even the Arab leaders, said, I, mean, I mean, their message was, look, we, we don't care where the embassy is. As Tillerson said, they woke up the next day and nothing has changed on the ground. Right. And by the way, Tillerson did put out a statement yesterday that um, that this is really the, the 1995 law being uh, Enacted that there were many affirmations. The last vote, the summer was ninety to nothing uh, in the Senate. So he's just carrying out the will of the American people. And then, of course, all the caveats about what the president said about the conditions uh, for it. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmlines with us, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents, major American Jewish organizations. He has declared and confirmed what I've been saying all week. It's a week of celebration uh, here in the uh, Jewish world. A comment line at the White House 202-456-1111 as we continue to encourage people to thank the president, 202-456-1111. Email by going to whitehouse.gov slash contact, whitehouse.gov slash contact. As we mentioned earlier, you could use the snail mail address at the White House uh, even in 2017 as well. All right, a couple of things that people need to know. I just mentioned history. Uh, was I right telling my children and were the rabbis who were who were uh, active in this uh, issue, who told their students and told their congregants and teachers out there who told their students that that they are living uh, through a historic day, that this is, you know, no need to look back 100 years at Balfour Day, no need to look back 70 years of partition or even the Six-Day War 50 years ago, that they themselves now have lived through a significant day in modern Jewish history? 100%. And, and I hope in every yeshiva, every school, they talk about it to... to Emphasize if we pray three times a day about Yerushalayim, and so many times Yerushalayim is mentioned in our tefillot, if we're serious about it, that this is a, a, an opportunity to talk, and it's not a, a political choice. This is uh, clearly uh, um, the essential uh, thing to do today. This is a great teaching opportunity, uh, and reminding them and giving them the context, the history uh, of Yerushalayim, which unfortunately our kids don't know, and especially in the context of Hanukkah, it's a great opportunity for them to to revisit it. That's what the president spoke about yesterday, and people who did not see his comments uh, should really um, they can get it at the dailyalert.org, which also has a lot of good articles about about uh, the, you know the importance of the signing and the Czech Republic now talks about wanting to move their embassy and you know that the Russians already had acknowledged Jerusalem as uh, as the embassy for people who don't remember but uh, as you said this is an opportunity for for talking about 3300 years of Jewish history 
and to talk about the thousand years when the temple stood and and the as a makom tefillah at the you know that Lashana Baba Yerushalayim has a reason why we didn't say Lashana Baba Tel Aviv. Yeah, that uh, these things. Um, but but also to remind By the way, those those who who keep saying you know that what this will lead to, the, the, you know the the non implementation of the ninety five act didn't advance the peace process. It radicalized the expectations of the Arabs even more, and the you know the the feeling that they could by pressure by their actions um, uh, bring about even a greater. Uh, um, uh, declination in a part of the American of America. So, uh, for those who who have put forward arguments in the press and the media, talk to the kids about this as well. That yeah. this is not an into peace move. The the veto of the UN Security Council resolution, remember, condemning uh, Israel settlements, mm-hmm. it wasn't followed by anti-Israel terrorism. When the president recently went to the Kotel, put on a yarmulke, said to him, declared it a Jewish holy site after the UNESCO votes, after everything. Not one demonstration. Not one. So, all, as you said, the assertions about the Arab Street, which we which we discuss and which is always used in, as, some, as a democracy uh, sword over us, <coughs> should remember that this is this is the only ways to try to deter us and to to remind that and as I said in my speech at the Knesset this week, no more grasshoppers. We're not grasshoppers in our eyes and we're not gonna let them make us feel like we are. Oh, I love the Miraglim reference. Excellent. And by the way, it's the US also in a way who participates in the in the um uh in the hysterical uh, uh, reaction uh, to all of this, the the travel ban, and I don't know if you discussed this with yesterday, you know, yesterday with anybody in Washington, but I, I don't know, was the travel ban necessary in in lieu of the, you know, in advance of the president's uh, announcement this week? Say it again. The travel ban was it necessary to you know that where there was an official? I, I believe there was an official U.S. or State Department travel ban to certain areas. Of no, Germany. no, there is a, there's a legal requirement in that regard because there was one time when the when the State Department didn't warn people about a certain stance. And then they were sued. So uh, whenever there is, uh, if they have a warning, they have to communicate it to their mm. people. So it was not a political announcement. It was. It was a. No, I, I, I it was, was not. A it, it was a practical announcement, not a political yeah. one. Uh, also, a couple other curiosities that people have. Um, you mentioned the checks. Have others, and you're always in contact with representatives from countries all around the world. Have others expressed an interest? Moving the industry, the industry, the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Are there any other names of countries that where you would say, you know, it's likely or they've expressed, you know, enthusiasm to move their embassy at this point? Well, remember that before 67, I think 16 or 17 countries had embassies in Jerusalem. Mm. And uh, many of them still own the buildings there. So it wouldn't take much. And I'm hopeful that others, maybe countries like Cyprus, some of the Africans, maybe others will have the courage and the guts to follow the American uh, uh, example. And the Czech Republic has been very supportive of Israel and strong relationship. Right. Uh, maybe they will. I, I don't anticipate that an Arab country is going to do that now and wouldn't pressure them for it. Uh, I think right now let's get the American embassy up and functioning and others will come because they all come there anyway. Uh, I, I had, um, we had a meeting with Henry Kissinger this week, and he, he pointed out that with all the visits he's made, and, and as secretary and as national security advisor, you know, the shuttle diplomacy that he did, 
he never was in the embassy in Tel Aviv. <laughs> Never. He said, I never walked in there. I've never been in there. That's hilarious. But that's all the world leaders today come to Jerusalem. There was a time when they would say, oh, we'll only meet in Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv. And, and, and it was broken years back. And now they go to the Kotel, which was something they didn't do either because that was, you know, in occupied territory. So gradually there has been a change in the President Clinton did it. Others did. Democrats, Republicans uh, all deserve credit for that. And... Uh, and and everybody who wants to do business, you do it in in Jerusalem. And the, the administration, the government, especially Netanyahu, but others also, um, said, "You want to see us?" I think Begin was the one uh, who started it. You want to see me? You got to come there. You don't, you know, we won't have a meeting. So hotel rooms and parking spaces will even be more at a premium in Jerusalem than they have been. It could well be that uh, you will, will find, uh, and you should know that Yom Atzmut this year. Most hotels are already sold out. Yep. We know it. Believe me, we know it. (laughs) For those of us who wait till the last minute, we know it. (laughs) It's it's incredible. uh, It is unbelievable. Uh, And that could be, you know, replicated on a daily basis once the embassy is moved there. And there's so much more activity. Hotel rooms, parking spaces, who knows? I don't think it won't have that profound an impact in terms of, of the... Uh, people who, because the people who work at the embassy, you know, live in Israel anyway, right. or have places there, right. and uh, and again, this is years off, but you know, some of the bigger properties could well be, uh, you know, going up now for for uh, higher prices because they'll be looking for residences for embassies. But I would not be concerned about a rush on real estate right now. For but. those who for those who ask you why he didn't do it a year ago, why you know January twentieth of this year. Or twenty first, you know, uh, the pro- the president didn't uh, set this into action and immediately, you know, show the world. And by the way, there's a precedent. We we've seen presidents and other government officials who've made campaign promises literally take care of it within the first twenty four hours. In this city, we certainly know that. If you think back to the Giuliani era, uh, so uh, if someone asks you, you know, why not? Why not then instead of today? What would you say? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you might help me conjecture Maybe you're here. Busy, you know. <laughs> I thought you might help me conjecture. Uh, again, here. I don't think it's a time to question. It's a time to thank. And he, he said he had to be the right time. And he said, you know, it's always right. And this is this is the thing to do. And uh, it should have been done many years ago. I would not have impeded anything. And I think the as I said to you that the message has to be get on board or else you're you're going to be left behind. Malcolm, I pointed out this week, and I'm sorry for giving any attention to the New York Times, but sometimes it's so frustrating. And by the way, I knew it was a week of celebration because I saw how much the New York Times freaked out. So at least that helped me in confirming that it's a big week of celebration. Uh, but if you, I believe, if you were handed uh, as a journalism student in any reputable journalism school in this country an assignment this week to sum up in a headline what happened in Washington on Wednesday... Uh, I think most people could come up with it, a pretty accurate headline, even those who are you know, not in favor of, uh, of what the president did. Uh, but the New York Times, I think, would have failed the assignment because their headline was, President calls Jerusalem shift, quote, the right thing. Don't you consider that bizarre in terms of uh, the context of what really happened on Wednesday? No, it's not the worst they could have done. I'm surprised that it was <laughs> even that mild. That's true. But, but I must say, even the Wall Street Journal, others... Uh, you know, uh, violence, rages, or chaos, or, or headlines, you know, that don't talk about the historic significance of this moment, but, you know, uh, again, the threat of violence and, you know, rage across the whole Middle East. It's no rage. they got other problems they're, they're dealing with. 
There'll be rage if the governments want it. As somebody pointed out to me, you know, these are not democracies. When the governments want to stoke violence, they know how to do it when they want to control or to calm it. And they know they pay a price. If you have violence in these places, in Jordan, in, in the Palestinian Authority, if, uh, uh, anywhere else, they, they, they pay the price for it. And, it, and it's, uh, you know, the, the threat of another intifada. I don't see the ingredients here right. for an intifada. Hamas, I'm sure, will try to do stuff and others may stoke it. My bigger concern is that, that you know, some imam gives a fiery speech and an individual or somebody goes decides to go out and and um, manifested his anger in in some way and they should be saying we're not going to tolerate it uh they have to say it not just israel yeah one of our commenters on the app would like clarification as do i about vice president pence because the real question is uh you know we, we wonder which constituents the president was trying to uh uh, to find favor with, and the evangelical community is obviously one that's a that's you know that are big Trump supporters. Do you think that they uh, that they were, that, that he had them in mind, and that that was uh, the driving force behind all of this? Absolutely, they played a very critical role. I can't say that their motivation, you know, the ninety five law, we did we had support from from uh, Christian community, and certainly the members of the Senate and the House who vote for this are overwhelmingly not Jewish and not necessarily evangelical. Uh, you know, we shouldn't just box this into that. They're, they're, the media and others are trying to characterize this as a right wing, as, a, you know, the Christian evangelical extremists. They're normal Christian citizens. There are tens of millions of them in America. The, the mischaracterization, the, 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 you know, character assassination that goes on in this regard is, is uh, quite outrageous. You can have differences of view. People can have reservations about the timing, the nature. You know, I haven't heard anybody give a, a really good reason uh, so far about why why they're they're opposed to it. But you know, we shouldn't allow them to say that this is a restrictive view. The polls show that the American people overwhelmingly support this. The people of Israel across the board. And when some people complain about the marginalization stuff, they have to look when they take positions that go against the views of almost, as far as I know, every political party in Israel saluted it and and celebrated the decision. And what do you say? Well, okay, but what do you say to those American Jewish groups that were vocal against what had happened? Many of whom are members, frankly, of the Conference of there Presidents. There are many. I, I think that is not the case. There were some. Uh, who expressed reservation about the timing, saying it should come in the context of peace process. You know, people are entitled to their views. They're entitled to it, but I think it's a mistake not to celebrate, not to use this to, to, to talk to our young people. Those who want to go another direction, I think, in the long term, that they that it'll be detrimental for for for, for them and their credibility. Mm, all right. Um, what does this do in terms of, does it do anything in terms of the overall situation in the Middle East? We see Nasrallah's reaction. I, did Iran have a public reaction to this? Oh, yes. And there were demonstrations in Iran and, uh, you know, they were fomenting this and they would like to have seen uh, much more Hamas, as I said, called it a, a, a declaration of war. Uh, there were many other statements that came out. The Dahlan, you know, the, the, these, uh, remember, they're all jockeying. For their own internal political purposes, you know, Dachlan wants to assert himself in Gaza. Um, uh, Abbas wants to show both sides that he can be, you know, that he's not falling victim to the pressures of America or the, you know, the process. This is, a lot of this has to do just with their own internal politics and uh, and jockeying uh, without, I think, a necessary long-term uh, consequence. Uh, 
it has to be done the right way. I don't think you you you, you shove it into people's faces. I don't think you you uh, abuse the privilege that we have this week. You got to do it the right way. But but at the same time, we have to celebrate it. We have to show yeah. the world that we appreciate it. That we're we're there. You know, there's so many things going on in the Middle East that uh, trust me, the, the Jerusalem issue. We hardly nobody's talking about what's happening with the Houthis, the attacks, what's happening. You know, still in Saudi Arabia, what's what's going on in the, in the Gulf and Iran. In the meantime, keeps expanding its footprint. So does Turkey. You know, there are are radical changes uh, uh, taking place, and um, and it gets very little attention from the international media. But this decision becomes so obsessive about the you know hostile coverage and looking for spokespeople who they know will only say something you know that is negative about the decision. Malcolm, do you know how much we've been celebrating here? I mean, could I tell you just how much we've been celebrating? No, I know you I know you have. I, I was talking about in the general I know, the I know, population but I, and, I, I, didn't and I know you have a broad audience and millions of people are, are, are following it, but you know, there's still a couple billion others that we have to reach in this process. I totally and, agree with that. I was I was struck this morning I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, I was struck this morning because Danny Danone told us yesterday that today there'll be an emergency session of the Security Council about this issue. Mm-hmm. And, at, and this morning at 4.45, I saw the Boko Haram article in today's New York Times. I don't know if you read it yet, but it is horrifying. And that is what they're taking up in the U.N. today, Jerusalem, instead of dealing with, with young kids that are, that are being either murdered or enslaved by these terrorists. And, and the continued existence of ISIS and the violations of the U.N. Security Council resolutions by in, in so many of these instances. And yet, you know, the, the, and the movement of missiles and Iran supplying Hezbollah with weapons and, you know, into, and the buildups in Syria and they're building bases and the changes on the ground and the ethnic uh, population uh, cleansing that is going on by them. None of it gets gets uh, a strong. You know, today there's a really important story that uh, is breaking, and some of the papers at least carried it. That a, a judge um, in uh, in Argentina indicted the former president Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner on treason charges and and wants her arrest because they're saying that she covered up the Iran's involvement in the '94 bombings of the Amia. Jewish uh, community center that killed 85 people and and she thought she was going to get this great trade deal and they there were raids this week and they arrested three of her former aides and uh, uh, and Hector Timmerman who was her former foreign foreign minister whose father was saved by pressure of the Jewish community uh, was put under house arrest and they the court is asking that they take away her immunity from prosecution and because she's a sitting senator, she has uh, immunity right now. Uh, but the, you know, the murder of Miss Nisman, uh, a Jew who who was uh, yeah. uh, the prosecutor who had accused Fernandez, and the day he was about to testify, you know, they said, "Oh, he, he killed himself," which was clearly a lie from day one. Now it's verified that he was murdered. This is an important story. Think of it: the former president now as president. Is indicted. We know Iran was involved. We know that uh, officials in Iran have been named and put a given a red letter by Interpol, but nobody's done anything with them. And to them, this is a big story. But uh, you know, again, it, it will not be given the proper attention. Well, not when there needs to be a condemnation of uh, the United States' decision on Jerusalem. 
That's right. I mean, you can't do both. Unbelievable. Um, and I hope that, I mean, as we continue to encourage people to call the White House and to write to the White House, I hope the president does get, and, and this you could tell us because you saw him this week, I hope he's getting the idea that there's tremendous appreciation among the people who are Israel-loving people in the United States. And this doesn't come from him, but I would say not enough. Right. I, and I'm sure it's not enough. What could, what could motivate our community, aside from me begging them to do it, what can motivate our community to understand they have an obligation that every single person has an obligation to thank the president? He should be flooded with mail this week. And, and every- I, I understand, you know, the Democrats who don't like him on other grounds or Republicans who may disagree with him on other grounds. you got to put it aside. When somebody does the right thing, recognition of the good does not is not limited by geography, by political party, whatever. You know, when President Obama did the right thing, we encouraged Republicans to come out and, right. and to thank him and to support him for it. When President Bush or President Clinton did it, we tried not to allow partisan politics to dictate. But today we are in a very heated political environment. And, um, you know, everything is seen through the lenses and uh, of that and through the media filter. So people, hopefully all of your listeners, will, will get the uh, this memo. The, it's a very concise memo with the language. All you got to do is sort of click on it, I think, and it sends a message to the White House for you. Uh, so let's see. Let's see all the people out there, how many of them will respond to this call. Essentially and, what you're saying is that every rabbi... From Hasidic to modern to secular, across the board, has an obligation, this Shabbos, to tell their congregation that they have already contacted the White House and expressed appreciation, and that everybody sitting in front of them has an obligation to contact the White House and express appreciation. Every Absolutely. rabbi has Absolutely. To. So they reminded the words in the Gemara that say, Omar Yushalayim, Omar Klum, that somebody said Yushalayim doesn't mean anything, because it means that if we just say it in Etfilis, and we talk about the return to Jews, and we talk about building Yushalayim, and you don't do anything, and especially an opportunity like this, then it shows you don't really mean it. And that's the test now. Do we mean it or not? If you mean it, make your voice heard. Here's our chance. If you mean it, 202-456-1111. That is the White House comment line, 202-456-1111. Uh, you could email by going to whitehouse.gov slash contact, whitehouse.gov slash contact and as we said earlier the white house has an address at 1600 pennsylvania avenue northwest washington dc 20500 malcolm honline is executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major american jewish organizations mazel tov shechianu zehayom Hashem. malcolm it's a week of celebration for the jewish world let's make sure that every generation knows it, and every generation appreciates it. Absolutely right, and and I would tell, if people want to call my office, 212-318-6111, we will send them the memo to facilitate it, because it's, the language is all there, or, or we'll send you an email that you just have to click it through, 212-318-6111, and, and I, I assume- because I know that when we tell people it, they don't do it. So Correct. this way, we're facilitating it to you, and you put you on the list to receive all these notices. We sent out one this week also to encourage people to let to contact their senators to support the Taylor Force Act, which will stop uh, funding for the uh, partial funding for the PA until they stop giving money to terrorists. You know, make your voices heard, and we make it simple for you now. So if you want it, two one two three one eight six one one one, and we will 
take your information and send you an email, which you can simply uh, click on and, and send your message. And I assume people could actually use the contact uh, link as well on conferenceorpresidents.org. It's probably another way that they can contact your office and uh, right and get that uh, going. All right. A wonderful Shabbos. Happy Hanukkah. We'll save your Hanukkah message for Shabbos Hanukkah next week. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, again, congratulations, Mazal Tov, and, uh, and have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. Thank you. Have a good, great Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update, 740 Eastern Time, every Friday here at JM in the AM.